Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope hope you'll find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show. First, uh, Kathleen Pasadomo is our state senator. In the paper, it said she had contracted COVID-19. She's home uh, this week. Uh, It's the first week of committee uh, meetings in Tallahassee for the state senate, but uh, she's now under personal quarantine. We'll look forward to find out about her experience and her thoughts going into the new legislative session. Boo Mortensen will join us. We'll find out. It's a little bit of the lighter side of the show. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and uh, we'll visit with Linda Harden as well. Uh, She writes, uh, greetings from paradise. We'll find out what's on her mind. My wife as well. It is uh, January the 12th, and on this day in 2010, Haiti was devastated by a massive earthquake. It drew an outpouring of support from around the globe, but the small nation has yet to fully recover. It's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere due largely to its history of colonization, occupation, exploitation by Spain, France, and the United States. I'll add to that, they also don't have the rule of law in Haiti, don't protect property rights, and uh, personal freedoms are somewhat suspect. It all has a history of a seismic activity, devastating earthquakes from recorded around 1751. 1770, 1842, and 1946, the island of Hispanola, which uh, Haiti shares with the Dominican Republic, lies mostly between two large tectonic plates, the North American and the Caribbean. The Haitian capital of Port-au-Prince practically straddles the fault line. Despite this knowledge and warnings from seismologists that another earthquake was likely in the near future, the country's poverty meant that the infrastructure emergency services were not prepared to handle the effects of a natural disaster. The 2010 earthquake struck just before 5 p.m. The tremor was felt as far away as Cuba and Venezuela, but the epicenter of the 7.0 magnitude quake was just 16 miles from Port-au-Prince. Eight aftershocks followed the same day, and at least 52 were recorded over the next two weeks. The effects were catastrophic. All of the capital's hospitals, as well as three facilities run by Doctors Without Borders, Sustained, sustained serious damage, as did Port-au-Prince's airport and its seaport, which was rendered inoperable. Telecom services were greatly affected. Major roads were rendered imp- impassable. And close to 300,000 buildings, most of which were residences, were damaged beyond repair. The National Assembly Building and Port-au-Prince Cathedral was also, also destroyed. The human toll was horrific and remains incalculable. Some estimates put the number of deaths around 40 to 50,000, while the Haitian government estimated that over 316,000 died. But all authorities acknowledge that the death toll is impossible to truly count. Something approaching 1 million people were displaced. News and images of the quake, including photos of the heavily damaged National Palace, quickly activated a massive humanitarian response. The Dominican Republic and Dominican Red Cross responded immediately with emergency supplies and airlifts to Dominican hospitals. Nations from every continent contributed money, supplies, and manpower. 
Port-au-Prince's airport operated around the clock but could not accommodate all the arrivals. Foreign air forces, including those of the United States and Great Britain, airlifted survivors to hospital ships off the coast, and some supplies were dropped in the island by parachute. The Hope for Haiti telethon on January the 22nd broke records by raising $58 million in one day. Though humanitarian responses was immediate and overwhelming, Haiti's crippled infrastructure made the delivery of aid difficult. The situation was still classified as an emergency six months after the earthquake. A million people on the island lived in tents. Cholera and epidemic that began in October claimed over 3,300 more lives. Whether or not Haiti has been yet recovered is still a matter of debate, but the effects of the earthquake were palpable for the next decade. In fact, the Clinton Foundation raised hundreds of millions of dollars and built a little school on the side of, the, <laughs> of Haiti that wasn't even affected. Unbelievable. But it was, it's a terrible thing. And what's the explanation for the Dominican Republic surviving and thriving while Haiti continues to struggle uh, economically and uh, being the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere? I suggest it has a lot to do with the rule of law. Certainly the tectonic plate issue is a big uh, issue, but uh, respecting human rights and uh, free uh, uh, property, allowing people to protect their property, it has a lot to do with it as well. Well, as Florida enters into its fifth week of the vaccination distribution, Governor DeSantis highlighted Florida's progress on vaccinating seniors age 65 and older. Since the beginning of the public health emergency, Governor DeSantis has put Florida seniors first and directed that individuals 65 and older be prioritized receive the vaccine. As a result of the direction, more than 301,000 individuals age 65 and older have been vaccinated in Florida, more than 50% of the total vaccinated in the state. This is an increase of more than 223,000 seniors over the course of the week. According to public, uh, publicly available age demographic data, Florida has the highest percentage of vaccine doses administered to seniors 65 and older. Additionally, last week, week four, more than 327,000 individuals were vaccinated in Florida, more than the entire number of individuals who were vaccinated in the first three weeks of the vaccines being available in the Sunshine State. It's incredible. Congratulations, Governor DeSantis. I know there's fits and starts, but uh, nevertheless, I think you're performing terrific. By the way, appointments are available next week for seniors 65 and older to receive COVID-19 vaccinations in Collier County. Online appointments are required and can be made by starting 9 a.m. Friday through Eventbrite. Just to visit CollierCountyCovidVaccines.Eventbrite.com. That's CollierCountyCovidVaccines.Eventbrite.com. The appointments next week will be on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., with more than 700 doses available each day. So, uh, great opportunity. Well, they're also available in the uh, North Collier Regional Park. That's 15,000 Livingston Road in North Naples. Well, social media company Parler sued Amazon on Monday, alleging that its suspension from Amazon's hosting service violated antitrust laws and breached the company's contractual arrangement. In its lawsuit, Parler, which is especially popular among conservatives, asked a federal judge to order the platform be reinstated online. The 18-page complaint filed in the U.S. District Court in Seattle, where Amazon is headquartered, accuses Amazon Web Services, or AWS, of applying its politically motivated double standard to Parler in contrast to its treatment of more, of more mainstream social media giants, uh, Twitter. 
unbelievable bias in this whole process. By the way, Twitter stock fell by as much as 12% on Monday after the social media company permanently suspended President Trump's account on Friday evening. The decline resulted in the social media giant losing $5 billion in market capitalization, according to the Market Insider. Twitter has since told Trump uh, took office in 2016, flagged the president's tweets over the concerns about their consent, content. However, the company temporarily suspended his official presidential account after supporters on Wednesday stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Uh, well, it wasn't necessarily supporters. That's still a moot point, still is up to question. But anyhow, Twitter permanently banned Trump for a tweet he posted after the 24-hour ban last week was lifted. Trump has 88 million Twitter followers. The decision to ban Trump has been met with opposition from fellow Republicans, First Amendment advocates, German Chancellor Andrea Merkel, and now investors. 12% it dropped. And how about Facebook? They tumbled 4.5% on Monday as the company's indefinite ban on President Trump continued to drive investors out of the stock. The plunge saw $33.6 billion erased from fact. Facebook's market cap in uh, intraday lows. Uh, CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced the ban on Thursday, saying the president's role in the violent storming of the Capitol makes it too risky to keep him on the platform. And this is one of the president's last tweets, by the way, which is uh, they caught, saved the content. As I've been saying for a long time, Twitter has gone further and further into banning free speech, and tonight Twitter employees have coordinated with Democrats and radical left to removing my account from their platform to silence me and you, the 75 million great patriots who voted for me, he said. Twitter may be a private company, but without the government's gift of Section 230, they would not exist for long. I predict they would happen, this would happen and have been negotiating with various other sites and will have a big announcement soon while we also looked at the possibilities of building our own platform in the near future. We will not be silenced, he tweeted. Twitter is not about free speech. They're all about promoting a radical left platform where some of the most vicious people in the world are allowed to speak freely. Stay tuned, including Ayatollahs in Iran and all kinds of uh, <laughs> seditious behavior. Irrespective, this is just amazing to me what they're doing. You know, uh, I think uh, Fox News learned the hard way that, uh, you know, they're not going to come back. We're, I'm not going to go back to Fox News. And quite frankly, a lot of Trump's followers are not going to go back to Twitter and to Facebook. We'll find a new home. We'll be able to communicate freely and peacefully. Meanwhile, uh, they're going to see their market cap drop significantly, precipitously. And quite frankly, I couldn't be more pleased about that. There are consequences, and I think you're going to face the music. They'll be surprised uh, what they'll find. And by the way, Representative Devin Nunes says there should be a racketeering investigation regarding the moves by Big Tech against the social media platform Parler. So I don't know what the hell the Department of Justice is doing right now, he said. This is clearly a violation of antitrust, civil rights, and RICO statutes. There should be a racketeering investigation on all the people that coordinated this attack, not only on the company, but on all those like us, like me, like you, and uh, everyone else. Devin Nunes doing a great job this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at johnson's air conditioning naples longest established air conditioning company visit johnsonsairconditioning.com also by life in naples magazine be in the know and stay up to date by reading life in naples the website is lifeinnaples.net 
Coming up, Kathleen Pasadena, I hope she'll be able to take our, my call. That means she's healthy enough to have a conversation with us. Uh, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and now building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be fabulous. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So the big question is, how are you feeling? I know that you contracted COVID-19. It was a big news in the Naples Daily News. How's I know. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I have been so careful. My husband's been so careful. We don't, you know, we haven't gone anywhere, wear masks, whatever. He went to see his primary care doctor the a New Year's, you know, uh, week, and mm. the doctor called him four days later and said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I have COVID. <laughs> so, of course, he got it from his doctor, and then I got it from him. Wow. So, yeah. I There's know. a certain irony but, in the, in uh, contracting an illness from your from <laughs> your doctor. doctor. <laughs> it is an irony. It, yeah, because we've been so careful. Um, anyway, I mean, I... Um, 
uh, I'm very fortunate. Uh, you know, when I, when, uh, interestingly enough, having, um, and of course I had to let the, the members of the Senate know because this is a committee week and I'm not going to be there. And I had right. a, I have a, a lot of uh, things to do, meetings to go. So everything, they've been great. We've been doing, yesterday I was on uh, the phone all day, uh, a couple of Zoom calls, a couple of phone calls, uh, conducting meetings, and it's been very um, seamless because I don't feel bad. But the funny, the interesting thing is I've gotten hundreds and hundreds of texts and emails from people who've recounted their experience with COVID. Uh-huh. I had no idea, you know, usually you hear about the ones that are sick in the hospital, but uh, you don't hear about the middle uh, ones too much, you know. Uh, right. Some people that were really sick for a week, they stayed at home, they suffered. It, it's like I've never seen anything like it. It's almost everybody that I know admits they had COVID at one point. Isn't that interesting? That is uh, so interesting to me because uh, I have a close friend that had an experience. His temperature went up to 103, got some medication, z and some other stuff. Uh, and uh, from his doctor, and in a couple of days, it all went away. But uh, you know, he he was a little concerned about it with a temperature of 103, being my age. Sure. Uh, but you know, t- to me, it strikes me that we're take- keeping track of the number of people who contract, and I think it's up to 24,000 folks in Collier County. I would imagine that most of those, now that they've recovered, and most have, I think there's about 325 or so folks that have died, quote-unquote, with COVID, not necessarily because of it. But the point being is this, they have, uh, according to an article I read in Science Magazine, they will have immunity in perhaps for years. So that that's the positive side of this whole thing. Yeah, we, you know, the thing about it is we, that's the unknown. Um, you know, I talked to a, co- a couple of people, you know, I was, concerned about the new strain that they found, Mm -hmm. uh, that apparently the vaccine works for that. But if you've had the old strain, Mm -hmm. that may not preclude you from getting the new strain. So, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of daunting. Um, You know, I'm glad I feel fine, but uh, the people that were were sick were telling me how horrible it was, worse than any flu or cold they'd ever had. And you know, uh, it's, and of course it affects, when you think about it, if you're sick for a week or 10 days and you're not even well enough to like get out of bed, you may not be sick enough to go to the hospital, but that means 10 days where you're not working. No, that's absolutely uh, right. But I, you know, I just a, a point of clarification, you know, the CDC is now conflated uh, influenza, pneumonia, and uh, the virus into one statistic now. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah, and yeah, according to the CDC now, I'm not making this up. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is actually on the CDC website. And uh, you will notice that if you check out influenza uh, cases, there's been a drop by about 99% this year compared to last year. So, Interesting. So, uh, and, and I don't know about you, but when I've been, I've been very ill in my life, not necessarily because of COVID, I think the sickest I've ever been is being down in Mexico. <laughs> well, of course, Montezuma's revenge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I guess my point is this: that uh, you know, people having uh, getting sick is a natural thing. Uh, you know, once a year or every couple of years. So, I guess I guess I'm trying to. What I'm suggesting is that perhaps this is kind of life as usual, and we shouldn't be. Fanning uh, the fear. I, I don't know, uh, Bob. I kind of disagree with you based upon. 
you know, I feel fine, but the the conversations that I'm having with people about mm-hmm. how ill they were, you know, and these are ones who didn't go to the hospital, so yeah, right. I, you know, and there are a lot of those, right? But um, you know, it's 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 pretty uh, debilitating, and right. it is and there's a little bit of a fear factor because it's so contagious. Um, much more contagious than the flu, apparently. Yeah. So well, and that's also, the thing. Yeah, and yeah. there's so much that we don't know about it. I mean, there's right. and misinformation right. too. So, <laughs> oh, of course, all that going and, on as well. But I, you know, I'm just getting so many wonderful well wishes, and um, you know, I'm I'm going to get. I got ten days from. I was positive. I guess I took the test Thursday, even though I didn't get the results till my, uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. So from Thursday. Uh, last Thursday, 10 days, and that'll be like uh, next Sunday or Monday, and then I'll be, I'm going to get back to Tallahassee when we, for the next committee week, because that's the most important thing. We're, you know, we're looking at bills and <laughs> having all kinds of stuff going on. Up and there. by the way, you're in charge, right? <laughs> so well, not quite yet, but I am in charge of rules, and of, of course, you know, the bills are getting filed right and left, and uh, I guess the one advantage of sitting at home is that I can read them quietly and, and uh, uh, carefully. Cause there's, there's a lot of really bad bills being filed, but a lot of really good bills. So Great. we'll see what happens. Well, it sounds like you're uh, full of energy and focus, so uh, I'm just so pleased that uh, this disease is not crippling as it's been for some of your friends and uh, happy yeah, that you're yeah. you're doing Appreciate okay. It. So uh, has, have you got any advice from the doctor, though? Has he given you any kind of medication? or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had... Well, the other thing, this is crazy. So when, when, when John originally, t- my husband, tested positive, he also tested positive for the flu. So he had a double whammy. Wow. So we both took Tamiflu, even though I was... The first time I tested, I was negative. I, uh, you know, I, it took a while for him to give it to me, I guess. But so, you know, I've been taking all kinds of stuff and maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. That's so interesting. So any good scoop in Tallahassee you can share with us before we uh, end the call? Well, I, you know, um, the President Simpson is just uh, running gangbusters, uh, you know, having meetings, talking about initiatives and, and bills that are being filed. There's a, a, I'm getting a lot of calls about what are we going to do about shutting Twitter down and, and taking away people's rights and uh, uh, have a one of my colleagues is filing a bill on that. We're filing a bill on protests. Um, you know, that's already been filed. We're looking at some tort reform legislation. It's going to be a very hectic uh, session. Uh, budget. We're already talking about it, and it's not uh, not good, but it's not as bad as we thought. So good. we'll see how. You know, we're already starting budget talks. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be. Uh, We'll have a lot to talk about over the next well, couple of months. Absolutely. Well, I just know it's in good hands. So grateful that you're uh, there doing the work that you're doing. And, uh, <laughs> and Thanks. especially under the circumstances. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. She lives right here on the Paradise Coast, always a lighter side of the show. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, a terrific organization doing great things, including creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting vfga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, and um, we're not going to talk about Washington. Okay. (laughs) It's too hard to figure out. Let's talk about you're never too old to become a beginner. So my question today is, if you were going to start something that you've never done before, what would you like to start? What would you like to learn? So this is such an interesting question, so timely for me anyhow. I'm, I don't know about you, but I've, yeah, I tend to characterize myself and put myself in little, you know, different little baskets. And, for example, I'm not good at technology. That's one thing. So uh, uh, lately, and it's, maybe it's the mother is the invention, uh, necessities of the mother of invention, but, uh, you know, I'm just deciding to roll up my sleeves and try and understand some of the things I, I kind of slough off because I say I'm not smart at that stuff. And it's kind of an interesting, you know, so I guess my answer to your question is uh, technology, understanding how this all stuff works and being able to do it myself as opposed to being the first immediate thing is to call my wife, Linda, or, or call the tech IT guy, you know, and, and fix it. Mm-hmm. How about you? So what exactly about IT do you want to learn? 
Well, for example, uh, I, I'm always considering and fiddling with, uh, you know, should I do the show on Rumble or uh, YouTube or, you know, so I start asking those questions, but if those are, that's a big blind spot for me. I wouldn't know where to start, if that makes sense. Well, that's, you know, that's really interesting is whether or not you should have a segment. Do you do a podcast? Do you go on TikTok? Yeah. Which is what, 30 seconds? I actually thought of doing a TikTok. Huh. I don't even know what it is. So I had to go on YouTube and find out what the heck TikTok was. Uh And I kind of lost interest in that. But so you want to be more tech technologically adept let's make it a little bit more uh, i tend to be a kind of a big picture guy not worry about the details i'd like to start paying more attention to the details i just read a book called deep work by cal newport and it had a a profound impact on on my thinking basically he says that we're preoccupied with uh the mundane preoccupied with the tyranny the urgent so to speak answering emails texts things like that as opposed to really going deep on something. And he's, he says it's kind of like a muscle. If you're able to set aside time and really focus on a task or on a, on a project, you can be a lot more productive and a lot more successful. Even at our age, we, <laughs> we can we could accomplish a heck of a lot more if we go deep. I agree. I, you know, I just think that I'm ADD, so that would be hard for me to do it. Yeah, me too, boo. Through- <laughs> I, I would lose interest in it and go, okay, enough of this. Yeah. Next, let's do something else. Well, that's exactly my. That's exactly what I do, Boo. That's that's my, my life is basically saying, up. I get frustrated and move on, or else I break it, <laughs> or yes, race stuff, right. all that type of thing. So, uh, I, I guess my point is, I'd like to become a little bit more more focused and able to work deep as opposed to stay with the shallow stuff. Yeah, you know, because I teach English as a second language. I have, I realize how difficult learning a language is, especially Mm -hmm. as complicated as English. And I think, man, these people are so willing and so excited to learn a language. You know, maybe we ought to be learning a new language. Why aren't we learning Spanish? Well, I'll tell you, that's another thing I've got a blind spot on, is I'm just not good at the other languages. But I must commend you. By the way, for, you know, I should just let our listeners know that you are a, a great volunteer. You've been so supportive of the Mockley Foundation. I can't think of anything much more rewarding than helping really motivated people learn English as a second language. It's, it's just fascinating. It's because... They're, they know the value of if you're going to live in America, speak English because right. it opens all these different doors for you uh, rather than staying in an environment where everybody speaks the same language, which right. is easy. It's easy to do that, especially in Florida, to just stay within a Latino community. And, you know, because they've got the t- Latino TV, the radio, the grocery store, everything it, is Spanish, so it's mm. easy to do. So these people that say, nope, I'm going to learn English because I know I can get a better job. It mm-hmm. will help me with more uh, economic freedom. And and it's hard. English is real. I don't even know how we learned it. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's hard to learn. It's the, you got more exceptions than you got rules in the English language. It's really amazing. So do you teach families or do, are you teaching individuals? Well, I teach groups. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, up in Madison, I taught a family 
course, then when the kids went to school, they all learned English very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, but down here, I teach at Grace Place. So Fabulous. for the last three years, I've been working with a custodial staff on uh, how to speak English. And now I'm going to take on um, some additional uh, individual women that uh, are le- want to learn to speak English. Well, Boo, that is just fascinating. I, I point out that Boo has uh, actually worked with uh, young ladies at the beginning of the age in the seventh grade and seen them all the way through college and now out in the working world all these years. It must be so yeah. rewarding to see the, the fruits of your labor. Well, it is. It's wonderful to see that kind of growth. And, and uh, yeah, it's very exciting. But... So, but I don't want to talk about me. I, other than to say, if I had to learn something new, uh-huh. um, I think I would go in two directions. I think number one, I'd learn a second language mm. because I think that that's tough, and yeah, I might as well walk the talk on that. And the other one is, I would love to learn to play an instrument. I have zero musical talent, zero, less than zero. Hmm. So it would really be difficult, but. What a challenge. Maybe I'll learn how to play the ukulele. It's only well, got four strings. That's a good start. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, I think that's a, 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 you know, I love music, and primarily because it's so mathematically driven. I mean, it, the uh, it's it's so precise. It is the universal language, by the way, it's, so I appreciate yes. that as well. So I, I think that's a worthwhile objective, and you know what, if... For example, I play the piano a little bit, not much. I can know a few tunes and so forth. Don't read music that well, but uh, it's it's a great release, too. It's a great outlet. Oh, yes. I mean, you're learning the language of music and how to read uh, music. I can't do any of that. I don't know how to do any of it. Well, you'll I don't have... Know a B, I don't even know what a B-flat is or, you know, what any of the... No, zero. I have no... Um, exposure to it even though my brother is a gifted pianist wow uh he got all the talent well i got the mouth uh, so we're gonna uh, i don't know if you want to have some degree of accountability on this discussion (laughs) maybe i'll check in with you periodically to see quote unquote how it's going so uh well yeah i was just uh, just to say before i let you go i know you had some some thoughts on florida well, you know, Florida is always kind of the whipping, uh, the whipping post for the nation. You know, all they think you're all the stupid people come down to Florida. And that's really, not, I mean, let's figure there are a lot of weird people that do live in this state. But Florida is the country's 28th smartest state. So we're not, we're in the middle of the pack. We're not far from the bottom. Hmm. It's not the dumbest state in the union. Are well. you surprised? I'm not surprised. A lot of very smart people here in Florida. And, uh, you know, there's the people that moved down to our area, for example, you have to have some wherewithal. <laughs> you know, just, I think I'll move to, to Naples. I, that just doesn't happen on a, on a fluke. So I think a lot, no, of, pe- and a lot of people that move down here to be uh, snowbirds, it's, it's because they have the wherewithal and they have the smarts to, to, uh, to uh, put together some, uh, some, some personal wealth. They say that no state has had a net in-migration rate anywhere close to Florida. Yeah. Well, There's 2 million people moving down here a year. Wow, that's amazing. You hope some are moving out. Yeah, well, I hope they take a civics course before they start <laughs> voting. This is Seton by Boomwatley again. Just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Always fun. Thanks so much for joining us. You bet. All right.
like a box of chocolates. I never know what we're going to get. But uh, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobhardenathotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, hearing the commercial about advertising on the Bob Harden Show, I do want to thank my advertisers here on the show that have stayed with me many for years, especially through this pandemic and all. It's just been uh, really appreciate the support. I hope you will patronize them and thank them for uh, helping produce the Bob Harden Show. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with my wife, Linda. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's uh, headed in the wrong direction. Boy, is it. I, you know, Seton, I've been looking forward to this conversation, talking with you, because you've been an advocate for getting rid right of Section 230. You've been concerned about big tech, and now you've written this column, The News Cronyism, Big Tech Censors Conservatives, Democrats Deliver Crony Policies. It's very concerning. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, yeah, you know, um, of course, big tech has, dom- you know, when, when big tech reached a certain size, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, they, they, until then, they hadn't really played in D.C. And they showed up in D.C., and all their money went to Democrats, of course, and, and, and they kept growing and growing, and Democrats kept pushing for bad policy. Now, I want to preface all this by saying, you know, the, 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 the lie that, you know, money chases ideas. It's not the other way around. Mm-hmm. They, 
they were initially attracted to Democrats because Democrats represented their values. Mm-hmm. But then, as they got bigger, they realized they had an impediment on the other side of the aisle, and they started throwing a ton of money on the other side of the aisle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Republicans, because Republicans were willing to defend them from antitrust examination, they were willing to defend them on alleged First Amendment grounds, which they are woefully misinterpreting. Um, and so they get a ton of money. So you've got groups like Heritage, you've got groups like Competitive Enterprise Institute, uh, R Street Institute, who are, ele- you know, center-right or allegedly center-right, defending big tech. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, the Democrats run the show, and I think everyone on the left feels emboldened, including especially big tech. Mm-hmm. And you started to see that on Friday with the mass avalanche of purges. Well... They used to give them campaign contributions and donations. Well, it seems to me that the Democrats think they've gotten over the impediment of elections with what happened in 2020 and in Georgia in 2021. So tech will be, big tech will be looking for new ways to remunerate them for crony policies, and that's by, at the Democrats' behest, kicking conservatives off of big tech. Yeah, and they're going to you know they say oh you know the the people on our side oh my god it's not a first amendment violation because it's a private company well if the Democrats are tell openly telling them to do it and they're government officials that's first amendment devastation by proxy yeah you, you and uh, there's a Supreme Court ruling I haven't I found somebody posted a paragraph on my on a comment on on my post. And I haven't had a chance to explore it, but apparently there was a 1973 Supreme Court ruling that basically said if the government writes law that basically allows or compels private companies to violate the Constitution, that too is unconstitutional. Right. And of course that gets us to Section 230. Now, the Democrats are controlling everything. Um, they're, you know... Trump wanted to get Section 230 in under the get rid of Section 230 under the gun with the NDAA, and of course it didn't happen. Um, some Republicans, some Republicans, have been calling for review or or reform. Some have been calling for repeal. Uh, you can't reform it because now again we're into the First Amendment thing, right? Where you you know if you're trying to keep it in place but monitor it, now you're monitoring private sector speech, right? So you can't you can't fix it. it. It has to, you know, it's broken. You can't... It has to go. You can't do it. It's also a 14th Amendment violation because Nick Sandman, the teenager from Kentucky, got slandered by big tech and big media when, when that Indian got in his face, the Indian radical leftist, and he successfully sued several big media companies, but he can't even file a lawsuit against big tech because of Section 230. Yeah. That's an equal protection before the law on right. its face. Right. Um, beyond that, of course, um, they want, they want you know, the Democrats have been making some noise about we're going to examine antitrust with regard to big tech. Do you really think they're going to do that no, now? Of course not. This no. Is, and then, of course, the other thing is, you know, Barack Obama's administration was run by big tech. Um, Google, uh, a, a 
senior Google executive visited the White House on average once a week for eight years during the Obama years. Uh, Biden's hired a ton of big tech executives as the revolving door spins round again. And they're going to get net neutrality again the same way they got it the first time, which is not by Congress, not by our elected officials, but by the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, unilaterally reimposing it yeah. uh, by a vote of three to two bureaucrats, because it's the FCC is three of the president's party and two of the other. So they're going to unilaterally jam it down again, and we're going to have years of lawsuits again. And I love when the left does this. It's my, one of my little wrinkles is they illegally impose regulations instead of passing laws. The poor companies have to spend years and millions of dollars on lawsuits to fend them off with a whip and a chair. The, the companies, of course, have to make up that money somewhere, and then the left complains that prices are too high for the products. They yeah, sell. well, the other thing is big business. Uh, loves while they don't like the regulations, they have to comply with them and so forth. They like them because it drives their smaller competitors out of business. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's uh, net neutrality does that uh, a lot. You know, a lot of big regulations do that. Yeah, Google's a trillion dollar company; they can afford to hire a cadre of uh, lawyers and, and other you know bureaucrat uh, deciphering officials, uh, employees to deal with the regulations. Parler can't. Yeah, um, you know they don't have the money. They, you know, I, I heard I heard the uh, Parler CEO on TV last night bragging that they had a half a billion dollar valuation. Yeah, five hundred million dollars. Right. Google's worth a trillion dollars. Yeah, I know. It's it, and I, I saw that interview with Tucker Carlson. I believe it was. I mean, I know the guy wants to get the thing up and running, but he's being deplatformed by AWS. He's uh, he's being attacked. And, and, you know, the thing is, hate speech and violent behavior, none of that stuff exists, or if it does, it's... Well, you know, that's, again, that's where we're... That's why we're in trouble, is because they can... And it was, it was quintessentially demonstrated, but with the Hunter Biden laptop story, which was totally rendered a non-entity right. a month before the election. And then big tech and big media flipped the switch because they want to get rid of Biden and replace him with Harris. And right after the election, oh, look, the story's a story all of a sudden. Yeah, it's... They can turn it off and turn it off completely. You've got people who do not know so much of what went on all of this 2020 with Antifa and BLM, Black Lives Matter, destroying cities, occupying cities. Right. You know, December 2018, remember, they're in the Kavanaugh hearings. They, they took over... You know, House and Senate office buildings. They stormed the Supreme Court and banged on the doors. They 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 stormed the Capitol building. They don't know any about any of this. That's right. So you know, a college prank by comparison. Uh, you know, on on January sixth is suddenly the worst thing to ever happen to our democracy. Yeah. And of course, first of all, I, I screamed at the TV. We're a republic, not a democracy. And and of course, they just don't know. You know, they, 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 there's all kinds of. Um, when I worked at Media Research Center, they still have it, I'm sure. I think there's 14 different types of bias. The worst type of bias, media and otherwise, is just ignoring a story. Wow, they can a... make you a non-person. They can make a story a non-story. Right. And that's what happened with so much of what the left did during throughout the Trump administration. And then they see, you know, then they, then they this is an insurrection. You're telling me the guy in the Viking hat 
and no shirt with body tattoos had an insurrection plan in his back pocket. It's so true. It's absurd. Yeah, Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, I always appreciate your animated and right-on comedy uh, commentary, I should say. I do both. Thank you. (laughs) But I, I look forward to talk to you on Thursday morning as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. In fact, uh, the, the website is lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Okay, coming up, I'm going to visit with my wife, Linda. She writes greetings from paradise. I'm going to get her view on what's happening locally and on the national scene. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Linda Harden. She's not only my wonderful, loving wife, but she also writes Greetings from Paradise. By the way, you can find a column on my website, Bob Harden. Uh, dot com and usually about great news going on here in the paradise coast of course that's been uh minimally possible <laughs> yeah because of the pandemic but linda thank you so much for joining us here on the show good morning good morning to you so uh any good scoop here on on the paradise coast oh my goodness there's no i mean no yeah the, all the news the answer is, is no <laughs> all the news is national isn't it and uh yeah well, I re- we haven't had a chance to talk about this but the, on the show but all right, we've seen uh, the everything on Wednesday, what happened, the uh, attack on the Capitol. Which was planned. Which was planned, in my, in my view, as well. Uh, uh, they say that there's no Antifa there, but I believe there were. I think Antifa was the ones, they were the ones breaking the windows and breaking in. You know, um, if, if you watch Real American Voice News, when, and I, I, I think I mentioned this last week, but if anybody wants to get this, some real news about what's going on, uh, Real America uh, News is an app that, you, and uh, Raheem Kassan does the National Pulse in the afternoon at, at three o'clock. Um, but he broke the story uh, yesterday, along with Jack Persobic, uh, mm-hmm. who works for One, Amer- One America News Network. And they found out that the Capitol Police were told to stand down yeah. for all this, and and so um, and that that none of the uh, Trump followers who were listening to Trump's speech. Um, even made it down there 
Um, well, all these people were already there. And to, uh, apparently, according to uh, Raheem Kassanza, uh, to his commentary, uh, by the time Trump ended his speech, it's a 30-minute walk to the Capitol from where he was giving his speech. Uh, those per- people weren't involved in it. They were already had left or, or moved on without listening to the end of Trump's speech. So uh, it was orchestrated and planned. I, it, it, you know, it seems so suspicious to me that the head of the uh, Capitol Police quits the next day, gives in his resignation. Some guy commits suicide. There was yeah, the, the, another Capitol Police guy committed suicide. Oh, is that suspicious? Oh, absolutely. So to me, and, and who who runs the Capitol Police? Well, it's not not Mayor Bowser in Washington, D.C., it's run by Congress, and you know, of course, the conspiracy theory is right now, and and um, and there's no proof of it, but they yet, but they said uh, that they took uh, Nancy Pelosi's laptop. laptop. Yeah. So let's see whose laptops do they have right now. They have um, Anthony Weiner's, mm. they have Hunter Biden's, yeah. and now they have Nancy Pelosi's. And the question is, who has them? I believe the good guys do, but we'll find out about that. And now, I guess the big the big concern I have right now is the suppre- suppression of free speech. The irony is that Twitter, Facebook, all these uh, outlets, these media outlets, are supposed to enhance the ability to communicate. Now, just in a matter of weeks before the election, they're doing everything in their power to suppress free speech. Which is so stupid, because like I, we, were, we were talking yesterday, um, Twitter was nothing, absolutely nothing, struggling um, to get its foothold in 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 the marketplace, and then Donald Trump came along, and it took off. Twitter owes all of its um, popularity and whatever to Donald Trump, and yeah. now they've banned it, which is so counterproductive for them. They, what did they? What did I tell you? They lost twelve percent. Twelve percent at one point in the market uh, in their market value. I, I predict uh, that. See here how I react. I don't go to Fox News anymore. I refuse to, and the reason for that is because except for Tucker, except for Tucker, of course, except for Tucker. Uh, Tucker Carlson's got a great program, and his commentary is fantastic. But my point is this: those that uh, their decision to eliminate Trump from Twitter is going to take 80 million followers of Trump, and they want to, they're going to feel the same way. They want to leave. They're 80, not gonna, 88 billion. And and by the way, yesterday Facebook lost 38 billion dollars in market share too for the same reason yeah so they're i mean they're gonna lose they're gonna lose their constituents their patrons and because they're i don't know where we're, uh, we're gonna land like whether it's gonna be parlor or gab or cloud hub or where we might all end up but we're all gonna end up communicating they're not gonna cut us off from from uh, communicating well and that's the that's the interesting thing is is that um twitter and and facebook thought they were shutting people down they just got people revved up. Oh, you know, for I, I was depressed after uh, Trump conceded, and uh, he didn't concede. He I never know. conceded. He didn't concede, but he he had said there's going to be a peaceful transition or whatever he said. Uh, it, I found it to be depressing. The first time I really smiled politically after that is when I saw what the Twitter and uh, Facebook were doing. I said to myself, "Oh yeah, bring it on," because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be able to communicate peacefully. I mean, what I see from uh, Trump followers—they're not haters. They're not—they're not angry. We're—we're uh, we're, we're all very enthused by the fact that Donald Trump was going to bring us, uh, bring the government back to the people. Now, of course, we see what's going on right now. The left is taking it right away from the people with their stupid agenda. So, uh, hopefully, Trump will continue to lead us. Uh, what's really interesting too about that, um, quote unquote, and the media keeps pushing this riot that happened at the Capitol, where, right. where they would not even recognize what happened in Portland and Minneapolis and, 
in Seattle last week. So they're making they're blowing this thing up, Not which which they called mainly or mostly peaceful protests. I know. Well, well, well <laughs> cars things. were burning, buildings were burning in the background. Billions of dollars of properties being destroyed. It's unbelievable. But you know, I we know only so much. I mean, there's so much we don't know, and that's, right. that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But people like Raheem Kassan and Steve Bannon were saying yesterday that that people and people who called into Rush Limbaugh yesterday by the way, said that Trump's speech. They were all those people, those million people that were there, were expecting a rah-rah speech, and it was absolutely the opposite. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering. I mean, he called Trump called everybody to Washington, for he says it's gonna it's gonna be lit. Mm-hmm. Now, what what did he mean by that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, the the uh, the wild. It's gonna be wild. I think is what the the term that he used. Uh, you know, I don't know what he had in mind when he did that. But Here, the- here's here's the thing. Um, Nancy Pelosi and, and all these people are running around literally with their hair on fire trying to get this guy out of office when Biden is supposedly supposed to take the oath of office next Wednesday. Now, they're trying to make it so Trump never can run again. What in the heck are they so afraid of? That's a great question. That's the question I have is, what are they so afraid of? And I, I just don't know. Why are they afraid of Trump? Yeah, they should try and embrace us, try us, win us back, whatever they can, you know, instead they're trying to annihilate and eliminate us. That's just, and 75, 80 million of us, that makes no sense. Well, and they've they've been touting Trump as stupid and and inept and all of this since he was elected. And so if he's so stupid and inept, why don't don't they just let him go quietly into the night? Yeah, I know, that's a great point. You know, hey, before I let you go here and before we end the show, I do want to make a, a mention of the fact that the Bill Belichick, has turned down the president's invitation to receive the Presidential Medal, Medal of Freedom in the wake of the riots last week. You know what? I would really like the president, I would like Bill Pelichek, who, who by the way, is a supporter of Donald Trump. Yeah, I'd like to see him just take it. Now, what I'd like to do is, is like to see him say, hey, guys, and I'm talking about his football team, I'm going to accept this, and any of you guys don't want to play for me, I'm accepting your resignation from the team right now. Yeah, but there's so much more in, in in the background that again that we don't know what's going on. We just don't know what's going on, and that kind of annoys me. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I think it's a good thing that we don't know because if we know what's going on in the background, then the Dems and the deep state and all those other people know what's going on. And that's I'm so glad I got on Gab this morning because I was able to connect with the people I a lot of the people I follow, and um, these next few days are going to be really interesting. Absolutely. Again, uh, what am I? Oh, <laughs> my wife is pointing at something and is uh, helping me. So <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the show, sweetheart. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Have a great day. You as well. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to have a visit with uh, Professor Andrew Joppa uh, and author of Josephus of Oz. Really look forward to his commentary after all that's gone on in the past week. We'll visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of How Everything Happened, Including Us, and that's just one of his many books that he writes. Uh, he's so interesting. I hope you make... Oh, by the way, I'd love, love to hear from you. Send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. If you'd like to be on the newsletter, on the distribution list, let me know that too. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.